Grace 412 podcast listeners, we are in part three of our series, Greater. This week, we are talking about Ephesians chapter three. And this idea uh, comes from Ephesians chapter three in verse 20, where he, he says, Paul, to the church at Ephesus, hey, unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, greater, way beyond what we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And so if we had a subtitle for this week, uh, beyond just saying greater, that subtitle would be greater things have yet to be done through you. And so we're going to look at what that really means, what it meant for the church at Ephesus, and what it really means for us today uh, when, when, when Paul says, hey, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so we go back to the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse 1, and the Bible says this, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given uh, me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And so it's like, what in the world is Paul talking about here? We didn't even get an introduction to this. And then all of a sudden, here we are talking about uh, the dispensation and the mystery and, and fellow heirs with Christ, with the Gentiles and the Jews. Like, what in the world is he saying? We actually talked about Ephesians chapter 3 um, not that long ago in our series together. And so we don't want to spend too much time here. But we remember, contextually, we sin, right? We we broke the world but God still wanted fellowship uh, with his creation. And so he gave his law to a chosen people, the people of Israel, so that the world could still see his power, his provision, his grace, his blessings. And so at that time, God's physical blessing was a way of showing his goodness to his people. And at that time, that people was the Jews, was the Israelite people and those who kept the law. But then Jesus comes on the scene and we have a greater way. We have a new and better way. Jesus said, hey, it's, it's now to love me and to love others. We no longer need earthly pleasure. We have eternal purpose. And that's why Jesus' call was for uh, self-denial in pursuit of him. But now more than that, this gospel is for everyone. For, for Jews and Gentiles. He, Jesus said, when I go, my spirit's going to come, and now you're going to be the body of Christ. That's why verses 5 and 6, Paul says, hey, this is, this is for everyone. This is for non-Jews too. In a different passage, Paul says, hey, you're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's not going to be Jew or Greek or male or female or bond or free, but you're all going to be Christians. You're all going to be part of the family of God. And so it's like, well, okay, what in the world does that mean for us? Like, what practical takeaway do we have for this? The first point is that we should trust the greater plan. Trust the greater plan of God. Creator God from before the foundation of the world had a plan to completely restore us back to himself. And sometimes we forget that, that he is God and that we are not. He invested in us. We were the ones that needed his help. 
And see, it's important for us to go back to the gospel when we we start to get to a place where we think that we've got it figured out, because we like to sometimes think that we have all the power and we have all the control and that we could do better for ourselves and for our situations and for our own life than what God is doing for us than what God is doing with us, what God is doing in us. Sometimes we feel like even what God is doing to us. But the reality is if our sin proves anything, it's that we are very bad at decision-making. If our sin proves anything, it's that we are very bad at decision-making. Uh, even those of us that are believers, it's it's easy for us to kind of move past salvation, move past the, the work of God through Christ in our lives and think that now we've got it all figured out or we have it all together. But to go back and remember, uh, we brought our sin to the equation and God who is rich in mercy invested in us through the work of Jesus. See, things aren't always going to go how we want them to go. Things aren't always going to go how we planned for them to go. Things are going to be difficult. Uh, It's going to be hard sometimes not to question God. But could we just remind ourselves the God who made a way for us, who were far from him, who were separated from him, who were isolated from him, he made a way for us to be saved And he can continue that work. He has a plan, not just for our salvation, but for our sanctification. And so how do we change our thought process here? How do we retrain our mind to trust the greater plan of God, not just for salvation, but for sanctification and moving forward? You go back to verse seven and he says it there. He says, I made a minister according to the gift of grace of God that is given to me by the effectual working of his power. We have to trust his power above our own ideas. It's reminding ourselves of that truth, that he is God. He is in control. He is good. His ways are higher than my ways. His plans are not my ways. They're greater. They're better. And salvation alone proves that. But we're going to keep reading because he does more than just prove that truth. He goes to verse 8 and he says, Hey, unto me, God's, God's revealed this to me, Paul the writer, who's, who's less than the least of all the saints. It, it's, it's unto me this grace is given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see that what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him where Therefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. He says, uh, basically, I, I, I've been given this revelation by God, the gospel of Jesus, the good news, right? And, and I've been given this for everyone now. We can now know who God is. We can now uh, understand his plans and his purposes. We can know his love for us. And because of that, he says, we can have boldness, even in trials and even in tribulations. The second way Ephesians chapter three proves that God is greater and that his, uh, that his ways are higher is that his process is greater. We don't just trust the greater plan, but we trust the greater process. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. The way that God brought salvation to the world sometimes does not really make sense to me. 
like it's 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 so confusing and it's so easy to wonder like well why wouldn't he have just saved everybody or why couldn't he have uh, done it this way or why did Jesus have to live 33 years exactly or why was it just to the Jews and and then now to the Jews and the Gentiles like I'm convinced that that he could have done it a different way beyond that I'm convinced that I'm in one of two different types of group of people where we, we kind of all fall into one of two different types of people um, there's the people who um, for example watched Endgame and questioned it Endgame remember Doctor Strange and he's like oh there was only one out of 14,605 ways to for this to work and there's people like me who are like wait was there really only one way or was there another way and there's people in my group and then there's people in the other group who trust the process, who, who trust the path that's been laid out for them, who trust the greater power, who trust the greater story. And I know this is a little different, but this is the reality that when we're struggling, we are when we're forced to deal with something we don't like, when things don't work out the way that we want, it's sometimes difficult to trust God and to rejoice even in the process. It's tough to not think that we could write a better story. It's sometimes tough to not think that we couldn't come up with a better solution or a better fix. It's hard to not want to just power through or just white knuckle and fix it. It's hard to to just do what we need to do uh, and not just try to get over it or to get through it, but to actually grow in it and rejoice in it. But Paul says in verse 12 and 13, he says, I want you to have boldness and access to God with confidence by your faith in Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to faint not in tribulations. And then he says, because this is for your glory. He says, it's going to be good for you. See, we have to trust his process above our own instincts. We have to remind ourselves, I have to remind myself, God is good. God is worthy to be praised. God is sovereign. God is in control. See, all I want to do is to, to force that relationship to work or to force that person to treat me better or to avoid um, that group of people or to get out of school and never look back or to get out of the house and ignore my parents, right? Or do whatever it is that makes my life easier. Somebody once said we were designed for self-preservation or protection, like we, our instinct, right? We will instinctively pull our hand away from a hot stove or we jump when we're scared. Instinctively, we do what will protect us. Instinctively, we do what will keep us safe or keep us comfortable. Instinctively, we want to waver in tribulation. We want to waver in trial. But Paul says, hey, just like salvation was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world, your sanctification process has already been planned out. And every single millisecond of your life is part of it. This is the only way. And this is the greatest way, the greatest plan, the greatest process, and trust the greater purpose. We have to trust the greater purpose. You know, one of the most underrated factors of a sovereign God is that nothing is ever wasted. 
Paul says, hey, I don't want you to, tr- to, to faint in tribulation. Instead, I want it to do something in and through you. He says, here's the purpose. Here's what I want it to do. Verse 14, he says, for this reason, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God he says I want every last bit of what I've told you of what you've learned of what you've experienced of what you have gone through I pray that every last bit of it will help you to understand how deeply God loves you Verse 19, he says, this is beyond, it passes knowledge. It's greater than your understanding. It's it's more than you can comprehend. And then he says, you can be filled with the fullness of God. You can have the creator God, um, not just with you, but a part of you. Everywhere you go, everything you go through, he says he loves you, he's invested in you so much so that he is right there with you, for you. We have to trust his presence above our own intellect. He says, it's beyond what you can understand. Don't expect to fully understand it all. Don't don't expect to see the bigger picture. But what you can understand, what you can know is the love of God. And sometimes the best way that love is communicated is by presence. Is by just being there. Just always being there. I said this before, but it's so important to hear again. We're going to feel a lot of things in this life, but we should never feel alone. When it's difficult, when the plan is unclear, when the process is painful, when the purpose seems far away, we trust the promise of God that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he's invested in you. All the way back when the law was formed, With the children of Israel, God's presence was real, a cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And all throughout the Old Testament, it points to Jesus. It points to a God who's going to be there, a God who's going to be present. And then we had all this time of silence, and then Jesus comes. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then Jesus says, it's going to be even better when I go because then the Holy Spirit's going to come. And He's going to do greater things in you and through you for his glory. Look at it. Verse 20 of Ephesians chapter three, we go on to, to see what he's talking about now. He says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. He says to the one who is able to do greater, exceeding abundantly, things. Uh, Greater things have yet to be done through you. God's plan is that we would know a love like his so that we could show a love like his so that the world would give him the praise, the honor, the glory that he deserves. So remember, his reputation is the one that's at stake here. We have to think about that. See, we're tempted to doubt his plan. Like I admitted to, we're we're tempted to doubt his process, to doubt his promises, to doubt his purpose. But remember, it's his reputation that's at stake. He is the one that's in control. He is the sovereign God. He is the creator. He has called us to be a part of his plan, to join him in the process 
to be granted a purpose that goes beyond what we could even imagine. See, it's like it's like one of the songs that I love says, what a beautiful thing it is to even exist. Somebody else once said, if I'm still breathing, he's still working. He has called us beyond ourselves to something greater, to something exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or think. He said, I did it in salvation. I'm doing it through the sanctification process and one day even through the glorification process. See, Jesus told his disciples, you're going to do greater things once I go. You're going to do greater things that I can do. He had 33 years. Together, we as the body of Christ, we have thousands of years to leave a lasting impact. Even for those of us that'll live, a, you know, eight, 70, 80, 90 years, if, if, if God blesses, if we're, we're blessed to do that, the impact that we can have, we still have time. If I'm still breathing, he's still working. What do we do now? How do we take part in his mission? How do we live to be a part of his purpose? Well, we trust his power above our own ideas. We trust his process above our own instincts. And we trust his presence over our own intellect. That's how God can use us to do greater things than we could even imagine for his glory. So we're going to catch up next week with the final installment of this greater series. Hopefully you guys are going to be checking it out. We'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.